Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Soundprints for the week of May 20, 2018. If you're an alumnus of the Kentucky School for the Blind, or a former staff member, or just interested in attending alumni reunions of Schools for the Blind, you're invited to put the 2018 Kentucky School for the Blind Conference and Reunion on your calendar for now so you won't miss any of the fun. The reunion this year is scheduled for the last weekend in July, July 27 and 28, at the Ramada Inn on Zorn Avenue in Louisville. We'll be bringing you more details very soon. Pre-registration is well underway for the 57th Annual ACB conference and convention in St. Louis. By all reports, early registration is quite heavy, and many waiting lists are already being created for some of the tours. Continuing education credits are available for the first time for many of the sessions. So, if you or someone you know is a rehab counselor, an O&M instructor, a low vision therapist, a vision teacher, or other professional in the field of vision, you won't want to miss this rich opportunity to pick up some CE credits while enjoying a week crammed with other activities and events. For more information about the ACB convention and to find out all the things that you can do there, visit www.acbconvention.org. There are two articles on this page this week. The first is from Apple and announces Apple's commitment to teaching blind and deaf children to code just as they teach other children to code. Here's the article. The following article is from USA Today and was posted on the ACB Leadership List by Kelly Gask on Saturday, May 19. It is entitled, Apple Pushes to Teach Coding to Students Who Are Deaf and Blind, and ACB member Don Barrett is quoted in this article. Tim Cook has been vocal about wanting students to learn to code. On Thursday, Apple's CEO announced that the company is bringing its Everyone Can Code curricula to the Swift programming language to schools across the country that serve students who are deaf and blind. Cook tweeted, quote, Because when we say everyone can code, we mean everyone, end of quote. The announcement came Thursday in conjunction with the 7th Global Accessibility Awareness Day, the purpose of which is to get everyone talking, thinking, and learning about digital, web, software, mobile, etc. access and inclusion and people with disabilities. Throughout the rest of May, Apple says it will be holding accessibility-related events and customer sessions at all its retail stores. At its Michigan Avenue flagship store in Chicago, for example, the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired will demonstrate the voiceover tool inside iOS that reads aloud 
what's on the screen for people who are blind or who have low vision. Apple says the participating schools will tailor lessons using accessibility technology the company has baked into the iPhone and other products, covering people with vision, hearing, physical, motor, cognitive, and other assistive needs. The company has collaborated with engineers, educators, and programmers from various accessibility communities and says it is working with the schools to augment the curricula. For example, it will employ tactile maps to help blind students learn to code. Here is the initial list of participating schools. California School for the Blind, Fremont, California. California School for the Deaf, Fremont, California. Florida School for the Deaf and Blind, St. Augustine, Florida. Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, Winnetka, Illinois. District 75 slash Citywide Programs, New York City, Department of Education, New York, New York. Perkins School for the Blind, Watertown, Massachusetts. Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired, Austin, Texas. Texas School for the Deaf, Austin, Texas. Don Barrett, a member of the American Council of the Blind, applauds the move. If you get coders and computer scientists accessibility aware from the beginning, as they go out and get jobs putting these systems together, they can push and say, hey, we really need to make this accessible. It's not a big deal. Let's just go do it. This next item was posted by Tony Stevens, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs this past week. It invites your comments on proposed changes to federal regulations affecting travel with guide and service dogs on airplanes. Here's the information. This next item was posted by Anthony Tony Stevens, ACB Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, on May 16, and is an announcement from the Department of Transportation regarding service animals covered under the Air Carrier Access Act of 1986. ACB will be submitting comments over the coming days, and we encourage guide dog users to weigh in on this important regulation. Feel free to email Tony Stevens directly at a stevens s t e p h e n s at acb.org with questions or concerns this press release was issued on wednesday may 16 and says us department of transportation seeks comment on amending regulations concerning service animals on flights washington the us department of transportation department today announced that it is seeking public comment on amending its Air Carrier Access Act ACAA regulation on transportation of service animals. The advance notice of proposed rulemaking ANPRM on traveling by air with service animals can be found on the DOT site and provides the public with 45 days during which to offer comments. Today's ANPRM is intended to address the significant concerns raised by individuals with disabilities, other members of the public, airlines, flight attendants, airports, and other stakeholders regarding service animals on aircraft. The department recognizes the integral role that service animals play in the lives of many individuals with disabilities and wants to ensure seamless access 
to air transportation for individuals with disabilities while also helping to deter the fraudulent use of animals not qualified as service animals. In this ANPRM, the Department solicits comment on 1. Treating psychiatric service animals similar to other service animals. 2. Distinguishing between emotional support animals and other service animals. 3. Requiring emotional support animals to travel in pet carriers for the duration of the flight. 4. Limiting the species of service animals and emotional support animals that airlines are required to transport. 5. Limiting the number of service animals slash emotional support animals required to be transported per passenger. 6. Requiring service animal and emotional support animal users to confirm that their animal has been trained to behave in a public setting. 7. Requiring service animals and emotional support animals to have a harness, leash, or other tether with narrow exceptions. 8. Limiting the size of emotional support animals or other service animals that travel in the cabin and the potential impact of such a limitation. 9. Prohibiting airlines from requiring a veterinary health form or immunization record from service animal users without an individualized assessment that the animal would pose a direct threat to the health or safety of others or would cause a significant disruption in the aircraft cabin. And 10. No longer holding U.S. airlines responsible if a passenger traveling under the U.S. carrier's code is only allowed to travel with a service dog on a flight operated by its foreign code share partner. Comments on the ANPRM must be received within 45 days of the date of the notice is published. The ANPRM can be found at regulations.gov. Docket number DOT-OST-2018-0068. Today, the Department also issued an Interim Statement of Enforcement Priorities Regarding Service Animals to inform the public of its intended enforcement focus with respect to transportation of service animals in the cabin. Given that the service animal issue is currently the subject of an open rulemaking, DOT's Enforcement Office will focus its enforcement on clear violations of the current rule that have the potential to adversely impact the largest number of persons. The Department seeks comment on this interim statement and intends to issue a final statement after the close of the comment period. Comments on this interim statement must be received within 15 days of the date the statement is published. The statement can be found at regulations.gov, docket number DOT-OST-2018-0067. Note, Service Animal ANPRM is a file that is available for download in a PDF format. Service Animal Enforcement Statement.pdf is another file that is also available for download in a PDF format. Contact Tony Stevens at the ACB National Office at 202-467-5081 for more information. 
As you probably know by now, Marlena Lieberg, former ACB secretary and second vice president, passed away on May 11. Marlena was a phenomenal person. ACB Radio has presented a tribute to Marlena this weekend, and we here on Soundprints want to also pay special tribute to this special friend. On September 28, 2013, we featured Marlena telling us about her recent Alaskan cruise, including the sounds of the glacier and her opportunity to walk on a glacier. We're bringing you this wonderful feature from our archives on page 2. Page 3 is Marlena Memories. It begins with her obituary, which, like Marlena herself, is amazing. And then we share some of the emails that were posted to ACB leadership and to the ACBL email list. Whether you knew Marlena or not, we hope you enjoy listening to our memories of Marlena. The Soundprints calendar on page 4 includes dates, times, and locations of the merger hearings for the Kentucky Office for the Blind and Kentucky Office for Vocational Rehabilitation, as well as many other events. Catch the Soundprints calendar on page 4. Page 2. We're talking now with Marlena. Marlena is from Berwyn, Washington. She's the second vice president of ACB, but today she is going to be telling us about her cruises to Alaska. Welcome, Marlena. Thank you, Carla. It's wonderful to be joining you on Soundprints. I'm a longtime fan and longtime listener, and uh, so it's great to be here. Marlena, you and your husband, Gary, have taken several cruises to Alaska over the years. I, I know you've taken at least two, um, and you were telling me the other day that you have had some amazing experiences as part of these cruises, and I, I thought, you know, we all know that you can eat all the time on a cruise, and you can do all these things on a ship, and, and, and you can do some of those things no matter where you're cruising, whether it be to Hawaii or the Caribbean or um, to Europe or to Alaska or wherever, but there are things that make cruises you unique and tell us about some of the unique things that you as a blind person have found and that are just really really exciting about the Alaskan cruises. Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for giving me an opportunity since we talked to um, to go back and revisit in, in my memory um, some of these fabulous experiences that I've had. And, you know, you're, you're right. Um, people think about cruising and they think about eating and sitting outside and playing bingo and all that stuff. But... There are so many wonderful things, and I think Alaska um, really, for all the places that I've been, Alaska, for a blind person, is the most accessible place to see and experience on a level that's pretty darned equal to everyone around you. Um, I've done things, including, um, and we could talk about, about these kind of individually, but just kind of to start start out from the broad perspective, I've been in a gold mine. I've panned for gold. I have um, walked on a glacier. Um, I have um, had an eagle fly literally maybe 50 feet over my head, and if you don't think that's a swooshing sound, oh boy. Um, I, I think one of my most so 
favorite things and most accessible for me as a blind person uh, is when I have had the opportunity to be out on my balcony, very often quite well wrapped up, because Gary and I tend to um, cruise either the first of the season or the last of the season. Um, and so often quite well wrapped up with blankets and bathrobes and coats. <laughs> no bathing suits, right? <laughs> no, 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 not on those cruises. Um, but, but sitting out on my balcony as the ship is barely moving and so it, the, the, the ship has to move a little bit so that it sort of doesn't just wander around in the water but they cut back the engines so all you hear are the sounds of nature around you and sitting in the middle of the, um, of the ocean no more than a quarter mile from a glacier. Now, you might say, well, you can't see it. Well, you can't see it, but you can hear it. So let me, let me talk a little bit about icebergs, okay? As all around you in the water are icebergs. Now, when I first went to Alaska, you know, I thought icebergs um, would be like great big huge ice cubes. You know, I pictured them sort of to look like big, giant rocks until I was um, immediately disabused of that knowledge when someone told me, oh, no, 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 there's an iceberg in this water now that is probably as big as a bus, and it's just floating around, and it's probably, um, you know, about a... Um, quarter of a mile away from the ship <laughs> but oh dear I started wanting to sing how great thou art from the Titanic <laughs> right. um, and, and so how does a blind person see ice cube, uh, icebergs well let me tell you the icebergs take a bowl of rice krispies you hear them go snap crackle and pop mm -hmm. magnify that sound many thousands of times really? you can hear them cracking in the water they just pop and snap and crack and the smaller ones have a higher pop and of course the larger ones make more like a pop gun sort of pop but that still isn't the end of the picture we've seen the icebergs how do we see that glacier the glacier will um, do something throughout the year, uh, throughout the warm months in Alaska, known as calving. And what this means is very large pieces of ice. And by large, it, I mean it can be um, large as a two-story house oh. will fall off the glacier. These glaciers have been in existence for millions and millions of years. And so they, they need to calve. And so when one of these things starts to slide, first it sounds like a great roar, just like a freight train is, is, is coming right in front of your face, like a just a, a big roar, and then just before 
it hits the water. It makes a kaboom, like a clap of thunder. And when it hits the water, if if the ca- if the ice is big enough, your great big huge cruise ship will actually rock oh from the wake of the glacier. Mm. Now, uh, I, it's just I, hard to imagine. It, it is. That, it, yeah. Uh, As you, um, I, I sort of skipped getting to the glacier because I, I, I love the glacier, but I want to backtrack. When you, these glaciers are frequently in, in bodies of water known as fjords. They're very narrow. In fact, many ships now can't go to some of the smaller fjords because the ships, most ships are 106 feet wide, and uh, but these bigger ships, now that they're building, are wider. And so um, you, you really want to look, when you go to Alaska, go on a smaller ship. Try to get one that will go into the fjords. So as you go in these fjords, in these narrow bodies of water, what you have surrounding you are mountains, glaciers, and, and trees. And living up in the trees are birds, and there are wildlife in the mountains. And I remember um, going in through one fjord called the Misty Fjord, and it, it was, again, very silent. Um, the ship cut its, cut its engine back. And as we processed, I, I, I said to Gary, I hear a sound on, on my left. And I pointed, and he said, well, I, I, I don't see it. I said, it's a waterfall. No, no, I, I, there's nothing there. I don't see it. Well, probably 45 seconds to a minute later, he said, oh, my God, you're right. There's a small waterfall. And so what you can do as you progress to the glacier is listen to these waterfalls, and they'll start out, depending on which side of the ship you are, of course, either on your left or your right, they'll, they'll start out at one shoulder. And you pay attention, and the next thing you know, that waterfall is coming down right in front of you. And then it moves off to your other shoulder. And then within, within minutes, there's another one. And you track that one. Now, as we approached the Sawyer Glacier on this, our last cruise, the Sawyer Glacier, by the way, stands 120 feet above sea level. And I can't remember. I think the naturalist said it was about five miles wide. But as, as we approached that, that glacier, Gary was not out on the balcony with me. And so I thought, well, I, I want to know about the wildlife. What am I going to do? Well, I was very fortunate because my neighbors... Unwittingly provided the best audio description. <laughs> they would say, "Oh my gosh, look, look up there at about eleven o'clock, a bald eagle. Get the picture. Get take the picture." So, so that's you know that's kind of another way that that I use to to see things. But to me, the glacier is is just it's it's magical. Mm-hmm. So how did I walk on a glacier? Um, there, there is a tour that one can take, and um, you get into a helicopter, and you 
take a ride and they do a whole description of the valleys over which you're flying, the wildlife, the flora and fauna, and then you land on a glacier. Now, you can't take your guide dog on this because the helicopter just uh, isn't um, built appropriately. It's pretty tight. So you take your cane and you go off and you explore. Well, they give you a special pair of uh, boots to wear over your shoes. And so you think, oh, you got to dress up really warm. It's going to be cold up there. Well, let me tell you, when the sun shines and you're on a glacier, you want to get your bathing suit out. It is so hot oh my goodness. On, on the surface of the glacier. Mm-hmm. And the surface of the glacier, it, it is not smooth and it is not slippery. Within the glacier are, are just millions of years of, of dirt and rock and um, vegetation. So it's not necessarily a smooth surface. As you stand on this glacier, it sounds like way off in the distance. It's a highway, but it's not. It's all the waterfalls that are coming down from this glacier. You do have to take some care when you're walking on a glacier because there have been unfortunate, although not many, but there have been some unfortunate accidents where people have fallen um, in holes and just never, you know, they, they, they just can't be rescued. Mm. Um, but the glaciers go, the surface goes up and down. There's hills, there's st- stair steps type things to, to experience and walk on. And, you know, I, I guess I'm just glacially obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I, I would just so encourage blind mm-hmm. people to, to, to look at Alaska. It, even in the towns, Carla, you can feel statues. Everything is, is touchable. I've climbed in, in and amongst a, a bronze sculpture, felt um, uh, there's an exhibit in Skagway about the women of Skagway, <laughs> and um, it, it's just tactically wonderful. And the uh, Alaskans are very, very friendly. They want you to see everything. They want you to do everything. You can go salmon fishing. That's accessible. There's just so much you can do. It sounds like a fascinating and very different type of experience. We had uh, a person here, uh, Alan Steinberg. He's um, participated in a, a couple of ways in ACB conventions in the past and also was a speaker at our Crossroads Leadership Conference last year. But Alan has visited all kinds of places, and we had him on Sound Prince a few years ago. He went to Antarctica and you know it would the, of course it's the complete opposite end of the world but in the the, the climates and the, and the experiences there are just so different and uh, completely different from anything that most of us have experienced this is just fascinating I, I never thought that icebergs would sound like giant rice krispies <laughs> nor did I nor did I and you know one one other thing I, I, I want to share and I know our time is probably getting short so I'm trying to be mindful of that but you know I'm I'm, I'm not much into um, although I am a meat eater and I, I'm not not much of a hunter per se and, right um, but but that said, I have had the opportunity to 
actually feel and touch full-sized black bears because they're they're everywhere. It's part of it's part of the Native American um, culture in in Alaska. The hunting and the using the animals for food, and so they keep those animals. They preserve them, mm-hmm. and they're out where you can just touch them and see them. And it, it it's phenomenal. It's just phenomenal. And, you know, I've done silly things like put Aggie, my guide dog, next to a real stuffed wolf, you know, and taking her picture and put it up on Facebook. Ha ha, Aggie's new best friend. But how many times am I going to get to look at a wolf as a blind person? Well, that's true. You know, and and, and feel a black bear, feel an eagle. You know, there's a tramway in Juneau, Alaska, called the Mount Roberts Tramway. And at the top of that is a wonderful visitor center where you can really just go in and, and, and feel the, the, the wildlife. There's just all sorts of representations of the wildlife. And frequently there are um, Native American, usually men, um, but I suppose there could be women, who are, who are doing carving. And they will let you just see what they're doing. Oh, that's the other thing I've, I've felt from, from bottom to almost top, because it wasn't quite done yet, I felt a totem pole that a gentleman was carving in um, one of the uh, state parks. I think it was Glaze, well, it doesn't matter which park, but, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and feeling the, um, all of the, 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 the eagle, the bear face, and the, the Alaskan um, or Northwest Native American art, the eyes of the animals are very ovoid mm-hmm. and um, much different from what you would experience, for example, in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. So I just think Alaska is is a touch tour for the blind just waiting to happen, and I, I just think everybody should go and know I don't work for the Alaska Bureau of Tourism, <laughs> but maybe I should. <laughs> and I would bet that I would be correct in saying that uh, no two cruises are ever exactly alike. Oh. Exactly. People ask us, why do you go twice a year? We try to go twice a year. So how many have you actually taken? Um, you know, we talked about that last night. I think we've done 12 oh in Alaska. Yeah. And oh. no two are alike. Mm-hmm. One time we ended up going to a place we weren't supposed to go because the weather got so wet. Normally you go in the inside um, passage until you get up to um, Sitka, and then you're out in the open water, and uh, there was quite a storm up there. And so our captain came on, and he said, look, there's two Holland America ships out there getting the tar beat out of them, trying to get out of the open water. We aren't going to do that. We are not going to the Hubbard Glacier. We're going to go to the uh, Tracy Arm, and we're going to stop at a place that uh, we've never been to before called Wrangell, Alaska. So we thought, mm, and people were all kind of complaining, I want to go to the Hubbard Glacier, da-da-da. Well, it was one of the best experiences we had. First of all, Tracy Arm is beautiful. We actually went there again just this on this cruise. But when we got to Wrangell, 
the people of the town, there were about 2,500 passengers on the ship. And the town had a population of 975. Oh, oh my. And, and, and so we, we always take a little radio with us. Mm-hmm. And so we, ha- we turned on the public radio station in Wrangell. And the mayor was on. And she said, when I opened my curtain this morning, what did I see but this big cruise ship? Everybody, go make them welcome. Well, I swear all 975 people came. They invited um, passengers from the cruise ship to their homes for lunch. Um, it, it was just, I, I had someone walking with me the whole way, telling me all about the town, and she said, well, let me define it this way. In the winter, we have more churches than bars. In the summer, we have more bars than churches. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. So, what great I, stories. Marlena, we are out of time for this interview, but I'm sure you have lots of other stories, and we're going to have to hear more about your cruises. So, well, I would, I would love to do that. Well, thank you so much. It's been phenomenal. Appreciate well, it. Thank you. It's been an honor to be a guest on your show. Page 3, Memories of Marlena. Marlena Lieberg, 1949 to 2018. Donna Vino, age 69. Marlena Lieberg, beloved wife, sister, and friend, passed away in the early hours of May 11, 2018. She was born on October 2, 1949, in Boston, and traveled around the country before retiring to Burien, Washington, with her husband and soulmate, Gary Lieberg. Marlena leaves behind husband Gary Lieberg, brother Joseph Vino, and sister Sandy Smith. Marlena was born premature and blind, and she was not expected to live but persevered in making an impact on everyone she met and and far beyond. Raised by a mother who believed in Marlena's capacity to do anything a sighted child could do, she attended public schools, rode bicycles, tap danced, and went to summer camp to ride horses. At age 14, Marlena became the youngest person at that time to obtain a guide dog. Hubert Humphrey helped outfit her with clothes for the training, and they remained friends until his passing in 1978. Marlena has been a guide dog user for 60-plus years and has had nine dogs. In junior high school, Marlena was told she was not allowed to participate in gym class, but after writing an impassioned letter to President Kennedy, the school was directed not to discriminate because of her blindness, and she went to gym class. These experiences ignited a fiery passion in Marlena, and as a young adult, Marlena became a fierce advocate and champion for rights for the disabled. Fighting for the rights of disabled people became her lifelong mission, one which she embraced and excelled at beyond what anyone could have expected. Marlena held many jobs over the years, including contract work with the National Park Service and the National Forest Service, and also owned her own company. Marlena was instrumental in the passing of the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, testifying before the House and Senate to ensure all people with all disabilities were included in the laws. Marlena lobbied Congress every year with the American Council of the Blind, ACB, 
to continue awareness and improve laws. In 2008, as the secretary of the ACB, she represented the organization at the World Blind Union Conference in Geneva, Switzerland. Marlena was a force to be reckoned with. She worked tirelessly to educate and improve the lives of all people with disabilities and discriminated against none. She is widely known and renowned in the blind and disabled communities as a fearless fighter and true champion. Gary and Marlena met, fell in love, and married in Alexandria, Virginia in 1997. In 2012, they moved to the Seattle area, where Marlena continued her work at a record pace. From working with Wells Fargo to create accessible ATMs, Albertsons to create an accessible website for online grocery ordering, Starbucks to create Braille gift cards, Trader Joe's for accessible pen pads, Apple to improve their voiceover to consulting with Microsoft and the accessibility team, instructing them on what to focus on when creating accessible software. These are just a few examples. Perhaps one of her most noted accomplishments, one that would become key in helping her manage her life in the last years, is the advocacy work she and partner Sue Amateur did to create accessible pill bottles so she could remain independent in dispensing the medications she needed. Marlena was active in too many organizations to list, from the Lions Club to becoming an honored member of UW Delta Gamma fraternity. She always found time for important causes. Marlena obtained her ham radio license, and Gary built a radio station studio in their house. She had her own channel on ACB, and every Sunday night would discuss issues important to the blind community and interview others. For 10 years, Marlena and her audience enjoyed such interviews with great people like Ronnie Millsap, Dave Nihas, and Eric Weinmeyer the first blind man to climb Mount Everest. Marlena flew a plane, she drove a car, she hiked on trails, she took subways, went to her beloved Mariners games, attended inaugurations, concerts, sang on stage with Stevie Wonder. Marlena loved to sing. She spoke to thousands. She spoke to one. She loved sitting in the sun, sipping wine and telling stories. Marlena loved dressing up and having a huge shoe collection. Marlena was as classy as they come inside and out. In 2012, Gary and Marlena moved to Berwyn Town Square. This vibrant community embraced them both and gave Marlena the independence she had been craving her entire adult life, petitioning the city to install accessible crosswalks and wheelchair-friendly sidewalks. Marlena was now finally free to walk to any restaurant, nail salon, or pet store when she pleased. The entire community recognized Marlena and her guide dog. She was somewhat of a local celebrity and greeted everyone with a hug and smile. She never forgot a voice and would shock people by remembering their names. She educated everyone she met on the importance of her guide dog to her independence. She taught so many so much. Her love and light was bright and fierce until the last days. Marlena leaves behind a huge amount of friends 
who feel the loss of her presence daily. A memorial service for Marlena was held on Tuesday, May 15, at St. Francis of Assisi in Berwyn, Washington. And now here is a small sampling of comments that were posted about Marlena on ACB list since her passing a week ago. From Kim Charlson, It's been so difficult to read all of the heartfelt comments from everyone on the passing of Marlena. I was aware of how ill Marlena was, but she has been such a fighter for so long that I had hoped there would be one more miracle for her. When I learned of her passing, I was truly sad, but then what I was happy about is that she isn't in pain or struggling for her next breath anymore. I am imagining her with her strong, clear, beautiful voice, organizing all of the guide dogs and other advocates that left us previously to make everything wonderful for everyone in heaven. She just had such a way of making things happen and wanting to be there when change happened. Marlena and I shared many guide dog moments as early leaders in GDUI. People in Massachusetts always speak most highly of Marlena as she was a vital part of forming the Bay State Council of the Blind. Since 2007, I really had the opportunity to work with her and get to know her even better as we each served ACB as first vice president and secretary respectively. When I was elected president in 2013, Marlena was right there, serving as second vice president. We worked on many projects together and made many decisions for ACB. She will truly be missed by so many. What a legacy she will have, and I am honored to have called her my friend. Ray Campbell, ACB secretary, writes, Like the rest of you, my heart is broken by the news of Marlena's passing. Karen's and my heartfelt sympathy go out to Gary and to Marlena's family. There are certain people you meet in life who are genuinely one of a kind. Marlena was one of them. She truly cared about other people in a special way. Like many of you, I have tons of Marlena memories. I'll just share a few here. One of my favorite ACB radio shows of all time was the Marlena Show, which used to run on Sunday evenings at 10 Eastern. She made everyone feel special, especially those who called her show. She always asked how you were, and she really wanted to know. She always had a kind word to say about each caller after she hung up. Marlena and I shared a passion for wanting to do everything we could to make sure people with other disabilities, in addition to blindness, could fully participate in ACB. I remember one time on the convention floor, she brought up something about that subject. She got some blowback, and I took the microphone to support Marlena. She told me later she wanted to run right up there and give me a big kiss. If there was a more tenacious bidder at ACB auctions than Marlena, I don't know who it is. When Marlena saw something she wanted, look out. She probably was going to get it. If it weren't for Marlena, I may have never become ACB's first male secretary. In 2013, I actually was considering another office, but wanted to talk with some of the officers serving at that time to get their thoughts and advice. Marlena encouraged me to run for secretary, and a couple of times when she couldn't attend a board meeting during her tenure as secretary, she had asked me to take minutes. When I made the decision to run, she was the first person I told, and she said she'd been praying I'd make that decision. Marlena was a huge help to me in my first year as secretary, giving me good advice and encouragement. 
Finally, a lot of us talk the talk about wanting to bring younger people into ACB. Marlena walked the walk, bringing several younger members in, mentoring them, and helping make sure they found their way in ACB. Marlena, rest in peace after a life well lived. I love you, and I will miss you greatly. And then, Phil Jones in Georgia writes, Ray, you summed up Marlena so well. I'd like to add a few of my memories of her. She was always lively. She was always fun to be around. I loved her show, and I called into it several times. I never heard her say an unkind word about anybody. That's something that you don't find in many people. Phil Jones From Jeff Tom, member of the ACB board, I join the thoughts of so many of you about Marlena. I will only add a humorous memory that she never let me live down. When I was resolutions chair, I had a braille note issue, and they dragged Marlena out of the swimming pool to solve my problem. She walked into the committee dripping wet, but of course handled things effortlessly and never let me forget how I had deprived her of swimming time. From Mitch Pomerantz, ACB Past President. For those of us of a certain age, we begin experiencing the loss of friends and colleagues more frequently. Marlena and I met back in the early 80s and became close friends, even though for most of that time we lived on different coasts. We enjoyed folk music and good food, and we would get together whenever possible for both. We spoke two weeks ago, either yesterday or today, and Marlena told me then that she was going to enter hospice care and the following Monday, which told me that the end was very near. When Marlena moved in with Gary when he lived in Huntsville, Alabama, they took in a close friend of the two of us, a gentleman by the name of Scott Johnson, who was dying of lung cancer. They provided care for Scott during his final months. That's who Marlena Lieberg was, and how I'll always remember her. She was unique. From Joel Snyder, director of ACB's Audio Description Project. Such sad news, and what a loss for the audio description community. Marlena was a fierce advocate for description. I had the pleasure of accompanying her and describing for her on two Alaskan cruises. Condolences to her family and, of course, her marvelous husband, Gary. Page 4. The Sound Prince Calendar. On May 22, there will be an Office for the Blind merger hearing in Thelma, Kentucky. From 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, the public hearing on the merger of the Kentucky Office for the Blind and Kentucky Office of Vocational Rehabilitation will be at the Carl D. Perkins Training Center, 5659 Main Street in Thelma. For more information, contact Barbara Pugh at 800-443-2187. On May 23, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its next peer support group meeting from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. For more information, call them at 859-259-1834. May 24 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group meeting from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries. For more information, call 502-895-4598. May 25 is a very busy Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout. It will include education and technology from 3.30 to 5 p.m., including iPhone support, orbit reader, 
and other activities. There will be a tip sheet from 5 to 5.30, page turners and a Tri-State Library Users Meeting, 5.30 to 6, dinner, $5 per person, 6 to 7, KCB Next Generation activity, other games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries on State Street in Louisville, to sign up, call 502-895-4598. On May 26, KCB Next Generation is going to the Louisville Bats baseball game. Meet at the Bats Stadium at 545. It is necessary to purchase tickets in advance. For more information, contact Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. May 28th, the Guide Dog Users of Kentuckiana will have their next membership conference call at 7 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On May 29, there will be another OFB-OVR merger hearing, this time in Owensboro, from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time. The hearing will be held at the Kentucky Career Center at 3108 Fairview Drive in Owensboro. Contact Vicki Madley Bandy at 1-800-334-6929. On May 30, a hearing concerning Office for the Blind and Office of Oak Rehab will be held from 4 to 6 p.m. Central in Paducah. The meeting will be at the Kentucky Career Center, 416 South 6th Street, in Paducah. Call Jean Sutton at 800-334-6945. On May 30, the Kentucky School for the Blind invites everyone to their graduation ceremonies at 6.30 p.m. in the Ritchie Auditorium on the campus of the school, 1867 Frankfort Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-897-1583 for more information. On May 31 is another Office for the Blind OVR merger hearing in Bowling Green from 4 to 6 p.m. Central Time at the Kentucky Career Center located at 955 Fairview Avenue, Suite 100 in Bowling Green. Contact Teresa Murphy at 800-222-1215 for more information. Moving on to June, there will be a GLCB roundabout on June 1st. There will be education and technology from 3.30 to 5. Discussion time from 5 to 6 will be led by Amanda Selm and will be on the topic of color and image. Dinner, 6 to 7, $5 per person. Games and crafts, 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 895-4598 to sign up. June 2 is Kids Day from 10.30 to 12.30 at the American Printing House for the Blind, an opportunity to participate in games and activities to help kids learn what it means to be blind. There will be some special activities related to the writer and human arts activist Helen Keller, as June 1 marks the 50th anniversary of her death. For more information, call the American Printing House Museum at 899-2213. This is best for kids 6 to 12. 
June 3, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will hold its committee meetings by telephone, advocacy at 7 p.m., and education, activities, and technology at 8 p.m. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On June 5, the Office for the Blind and Office of Oak Rehab merger hearing will be held in Louisville. There will be two hearings, one from 10 a.m. to noon and one from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. They will be at the McDowell Center, 8412 Westport Road in Louisville. For more information, contact Pam Minton, 800-346-2115. On June 5, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have a conference call meeting at 8 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On June 6, there will be an OFB-OVR merger hearing in Lexington. Again, there will be two hearings that day, 10 a.m. to noon and 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. They will be at the Bluegrass Council of the Blind office, 1093 South Broadway, Suite 1214 in Lexington. For more information, call Teresa Thomas at 859-259-1834. On June 7, the Office for the Blind and OVR merger hearing will be held in Covington, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time at the Kentucky Career Center, located at 1324 Madison Avenue in Covington. Call Cindy Bowles at 800-334-6895. On June 7, the American Council of Blind Lions will hold its monthly conference call at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. This is an opportunity for blind lions from around the country to share ideas on how to be more involved in their local clubs. The call-in number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. On June 8, the GLCB Roundabout will be held from 3.30 to 10 p.m. Education and Technology, 3.30 to 5 Discussion, 5 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7. Bingo, $2 per person. Games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 to sign up. On June 9, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board will meet at 11 a.m. by phone at 605-475-6006. Enter code 294444. On June 10, KCB Next Generation will have its conference call meeting. This is its regular monthly meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time for members who are 40 and under. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. On June 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, meets in Owensboro from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time. The speaker will be from the Owensboro Police Department talking about scams. It will be at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. Call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170 for more information. June 13 is another OFB OVR hearing, this time in Hazard. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time at the Kentucky Career Center. 
412 Roy Campbell Drive in Hazard. Call Lisa Mead at 606-436-5751, extension 7028, for details. June 13 is the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind Meeting at 7 p.m. by conference call 605-475-4700, enter code 155-619. For more information, call 859-781-7369. June 13 is the KCBPR Membership Committee Meeting. This meeting is at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And the dial-in number is 669-900-6833. Enter code 3572-595193. On June 14 is another OFB-OVR merger hearing in Ashland. This is the last in the series of merger meetings. It is from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time at the Kentucky Career Center in Ashland, 411 19th Street. Contact Kaneta Free Home at 800-334-6881 for more information. And we remind you that June 29 through July 6 is the 57th Annual Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind in St. Louis. Pre-registration is now open. For details about the convention and continuing education opportunities, visit www.acbconvention.org. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prince. Have a great week, everybody.